Nelson, are you are you sheltering in place? Cindy Hagley, yes, I am. And what about you, young lady? You appear to be. Yes, I, I'm definitely sheltering in place. This, this virus is uh, a little intimidating to me. Welcome to Grave Misunderstandings, by the way. Mark, what are we talking about this week? Um, I think this week we're going to talk about, you know, it's like we're stuck in the house. What in, and it's occurred to me, what inspires me, what inspires you? Now, people who may not know, I work as a psychic medium, but I also consider, uh, I, I spent time as a, a young guy in a Pentecostal church. Oh, my and God. Sin, and so did you. Yes. Yes. So when I think about um, the idea that someone would receive a message and they speak in tongues, to me that says that they're receiving uh, information outside what would be considered a normal channel. They're receiving something. Inspiration means the information comes into our minds. And so I tend to think that uh, people who receive these messages are, are in fact getting them. And I think it relates to what we're talking about because, I mean, it, it appears to be something of a supernatural or a non-natural method of receiving information. To me, natural would be, say, hey, Cindy, I see you. How are you? Give me a hug. Oh, we can't do hugs. We're doing virtual hugs today, everybody. No, not, none of that. But we can we can talk in that way. So, You know what I find interesting is with, with the line of work that you and I do mm-hmm. with the paranormal, it's interesting that we both went to Pentecostal churches because if you think about it, I think the Pentecostals are probably the most open and affirming of that than any mm-hmm. other religion out there. Oh, yeah. Well, here's, I, I've been to spiritualist churches, and I've also been to a church. Uh, I've trained at a church um, that was based on the teachings of Edgar Casey. Maybe we'll get to that later. But um, I do think that um, the idea of inspiration, they 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 are absolutely trying to be in touch in the moment it isn't just you know kind of dry wrote by scripture they're getting stuff now they're getting things on the fly and they are sharing that and so i think that that's interesting um for me the connection too to edgar casey is that edgar casey was called the sleeping um uh, the sleeping prophet i believe and one he would get messages that would relate to a person's health how they're do- what they're doing in their life, how they can change. And so there's all of this crossover, I think, between the Pentecostals, although they might say, no, Edgar Casey, no, no, no. But what people don't know is that Edgar Casey was a Bible scholar. He had written, or he had read the Bible on many occasions and was trying to be a, a preacher, a minister. And then he discovered that he has this other ability. But Cindy, let's talk a little bit. What was your background? So you were raised in the Pentecostals. What were some of the things that you remember? Well, first of all, we lived right next door to the church. And uh, the the preacher, Preacher Gallagher, uh, was just this awesome man that I loved. And this is kind of an interesting thing. When I was a baby, not a baby, I was probably five or six years old, I saw a UFO. Uh-huh. I was lying in bed. It was like 2 or 3 a.m. And I had seen coverage on the news because the area that I grew up, southern Ohio, Appalachia, there was a lot of things like that going on. And there was this rash of UFO sightings. And so I had been watching this. So I actually saw this thing. And I told my dad, Dad, mm-hmm. Dad, I saw a UFO. And he says, uh, no, you didn't. <laughs> and, and, and I kept bugging him all day. And I was out in the, the front yard with my dad and preacher Gallagher was mowing or something, you know, cutting flowers on the other side of the fence. 
And I said, Dad, I really did see a UFO. And my dad says, no, you didn't. And then Preacher Gallagher said, you know, I saw a UFO last night about, you know, 2, 3 a.m. I think she saw it, Jim. Mm -hmm. And Jim was my dad. So my Pentecostal minister was able to validate my sighting. <laughs> Isn't that odd? That is a first for me. Most of them usually um, don't want to hear too much. I mean, uh, yes, they, they accept uh, messages and they heal people. But, I mean, the idea of a Pentecost, this, this show, I love where we're going. It's a bit like a uh, Appalachian jambalaya. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. Well, Edgar Casey was from Kentucky. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. He spent a lot of time there, and then he ended up moving around. But um, I'm just trying to say, you know, I actually, I have spoken in tongues, and you know what it is, is like when I'm, I'll tell you that I think the link between tongues and speaking and working as a medium is that I let go. I try to let myself hear information that I'm supposed to hear as it relates to my client or to myself or whatever it is the purpose that I've taken on to, to sit down and do the reading. And when I was speaking in tongues, I felt like I was flying. It almost felt like I was untethered. And I don't remember really quite what I said. To me, it, I, I, in, in, in having experienced both, I much prefer doing the work as a psychic medium because those are messages that I can share immediately and I get it. I think some people too then, once they heard something in tongues, they would stand up and say, I think this is what I got from it. This is what I received from it. So it's, it's a somewhat different, but it's all about getting information from the other side and, and then uh, seeing how you can use it to make your life better. In my church, we believe that when someone spoke in tongues, that they had the Holy Ghost in them. Sure. Did you feel like you were channeling someone or something? You know what it was? Is I, I, I think I was so shocked that I was all of a sudden doing this because I was raised Catholic and I had a pretty staid, you know, Christian upbringing. You know, I was very much, I mean, I'd been in um, Christ, traditional Christian churches, but the Pentecostals took it all to an entirely different level. And... I felt like I wasn't sure how to validate what I was getting. So um, I, I understand that maybe if I had stayed with it and learned to ride the wave of the Pentecostal speaking in tongues, I might have felt differently. But it ended up not being something I, I wanted to continue. I acknowledged the power of the experience. But it wasn't something that I could then turn around and say, oh, that was that. that's what was being stated. This is who was communicating to me. It almost felt like I was falling and hearing things, and it was kind of scattered and out of control, and um, it was powerful. I, I know that I felt like God was talking to me, but I wasn't sure as clearly what he was saying or she was saying, so we'll say. So you said you felt out of control. So... Even if you wanted to stop speaking, you couldn't do it. Well, I felt like I was thrown. All right. This will lead us into Edgar Casey. I felt like I was thrown. Uh, let's, in. Save, let's save Edgar for another show. I, I, right. I, I never get to talk about the Pentecostals. Well, I felt like I would, had jumped into a river and I was riding it. Or I've done a lot of surfing in my life. I felt like I was all of a sudden on a wave and I was taking the wave to places that I didn't know where I'd be going. I didn't know what I'd be experiencing. And I, I, there's no denying that it was powerful and that I felt like I was close close to God or spirit. And I felt like that I was getting a message. But I wasn't um, as 
I wasn't prepared to really understand what I was getting. Um, but it doesn't. And but I saw many other people, and they seemed to have a much clearer grasp over what they were experiencing than than I did. So I, in no way, am not trying to, you know, um, make light or or diminish the importance of the Pentecostal church or talking, speaking in tongues. But I wasn't able to translate it into something as practical or useful as I've done through my psychic work. What about you? You've done this too, haven't you? Well, my church, I grew up um, in Chesapeake, Ohio. It's right across from Huntington, West Virginia, little hillbilly Appalachian community. Mm -hmm. And I say that with peace and love, by the way, because I loved growing up there. But when I was a child, uh, I remember being at church with my grandmother, Mama is what we called her. And she was this tiny thing. She was like maybe five foot one, five foot two, and uh, very, very petite. And she was elderly. She was probably in her 70s at this point. Wow. And we're sitting there in church, and I'm, I'm like right next to her. I think it was just the two of us. And my grandmother was a very soft-spoken, almost shy woman. And she just stood up and started speaking in tongues. And I was freaked out because I I didn't quite know what was going on. But the one thing I remember more than anything else was the energy that was emanating from her. Mm -hmm. I accept that completely. I do. I felt like, um, I mean, just again, not to go back to it too much, but I was riding a wave. It was, I could feel it. And I didn't know where it was going. And it, it it was almost more like, you know, being caught in a river. And, and being, you know, carried along in it. And I wasn't sure where I was going. But I really did feel like, okay, I had a breakthrough. I was experiencing and hearing something and feeling emotions that I generally do not experience in church. And so that, that really was powerful energy to my thinking. So uh, I totally accept the idea that you felt something powerful, that she felt something powerful. That and when someone is doing this in front of you, you can't help but be enthralled by this. They're clearly caught up in something. And so I think it's important. It, I think that when you see someone t- speaking in tongues, you have to dig in a little bit and try to see what is what am I feeling? What is Am I getting a message here? How is this applicable to me, to what I'm doing, to where I am? And I think by being uh, more receptive and open, you can understand or at least get a message that is relevant for you. I've only witnessed this this one time, and that was with my grandmother. But um, after she finished, somebody else on the other side of the church stood up and translated. Yes. I always thought they were. I always thought they were exchanging chocolate chip cookie recipes. But <laughs> not. But so my church believed there was the speaker, and then there was the translator. Mm-hmm. Well, the idea is that when you speak in tongues, you're in fact speaking through, I believe, a lost language, a language that um, we may not recognize today as one of the ones that we normally would communicate in. Although I've heard that some people who are not used to speaking in a foreign language can pick it up and begin to work with that. That I do accept, but uh, and I'll tell you why. But um, I think that there is this connection that You know what? Here's the other thing, too, with understanding the language. I think that it's almost like you're you're when you hear someone doing this, you you open yourself up. And when you do this, I don't know that you understand the language that they're saying, but you understand the message that you're supposed to get from it. 
So are they translating or are they simply opening a channel that, that makes it meaningful for the receptor? I, what do you think? Good point. Um, and that makes all the sense in the world because I've been around people. Well, you are a perfect example. When I'm around you and you are doing something like that, I can feel your energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that makes sense in a church setting, the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I would tell you too is I've done readings where um, I speak English. I don't speak, I mean, I taken Spanish for several years in high school, which was a gazillion years ago for those of you who are looking it up. But, um, I've been in a place where uh, there were people in spirit, there were spirits that were speaking in Spanish. I know this because someone recorded them. But the interesting thing, it, interesting thing is that I was asking questions in English and saying, I hear that there is a young man here. We were in a, a hospital in downtown LA that had stopped functioning, but it had been a hospital in a predominantly Spanish part of town. And uh, the the person that I said, he, he was hit by a car, he was 14 or 15, he was killed, but he's here and he wants us to know that. And so everyone's, all right, fine, fine, fine. And then one of the guys grabs me afterwards and said, I just listened to the recording and we heard in Spanish someone saying, it's me, it's me, he's talking about me. So to me, language is something that us people in, in, in the physical are more concerned about. People in, in spirit are they they can almost read our minds or, re, or understand our intent and are able to communicate regardless of whether the person in spirit is it, or the person in the flesh i.e. me can speak their language hi my name is karen i'm from lodi california when i was growing up um as a little girl my mom took us to a lot of different churches a lot of different denominations um, but the only time i saw or heard someone speak in tongues was in the Pentecostal churches, um, not any of the other denominations. And I was just wondering what you thought about that. It's pretty direct. They're the only ones open to the idea of speaking in tongues. No one else, if I was in a Catholic church and I stood up and started speaking in tongues, I would have ushers and other people dragging me out in no uncertain terms. I would not be welcome there or in many mainstream Christian churches. They almost seem to be embarrassed by the idea. Oh, you're so being so emotional and carried away. You know, ours is more of a, a church of faith and we understand what's going on. We have no idea what's going on with you as a Pentecostal. This is not your place to speak in tongues. Um, that- I, totally, I totally agree with that. My church, I felt like... They were just lying bare every emotion that you have. If you wanted to cry, cry. If you wanted to laugh, laugh. If you wanted to speak, speak, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of the few places where I felt as a child that I could be myself. As an adult, that changed. But mm-hmm. Well, uh, Cindy, if if the Catholic Church was open to it, that during, you know, let's say the you know, the priest is doing his uh, homily or he's doing, you know, he's in the middle of his sermon. He might say, does anyone have a message? And if someone stood up and started speaking in tongues and then someone, the other side of the church said, I can interpret that or I understand what he's trying to say, then it might be accepted. But they clearly don't want that. I think that you have to be willing to give up a lot of control and to have faith in God that he's going to take you or she's going to take you somewhere that you may not understand. And that may only come out after you hear the interpretation of your witnessing in tongues. You, you mentioned a very critical word here, and that's faith. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the Pentecostals, to me, everything they do is just based in faith. And 
what about faith healing? How do you feel about that? Oh, I, here's the thing. I, I truly believe that um, people that, if they're in touch with allowing God to work through them, allowing universal energy, spirit, whatever term you want, I'm speaking about the higher power. And if you're a Christian and you're comfortable with God, great. If you're, you're a Wiccan and you're more comfortable with, you know, who, um, spirit. I, I use kind of both, but um, the idea is that when I'm working, I have seen like things come through me that I think I have helped heal people. I tend, I mean, it's been a very rare thing. I get uh, health intuitive information, which I think can be healing. And uh, sometimes the right word can be. But I do think that, uh, say, in a Pentecostal setting, someone feels like they were healed. Um, they may, uh, in reality, be caught up with a certain level of emotion. But I also think that there are people that do, in fact, um, receive a healing because they're open to the idea they have faith that God is hearing their prayer at this time. Um, you know, if we're supposed to ask and you shall receive. That is a, a basic tenet I believe in Christ, of Christianity. Ask for something if, and you'll receive it. If you're in a church, you ask for healing. Someone steps up and in faith gives you this. Um, I think it's entirely possible. Does it happen frequently? I would probably say no, but I think it can. And I think that it's predicated on do you have faith? What is your illness? I also think, too, that at a higher level, at a spiritual level, Cindy, at our soul level, that maybe we are being asked to go through a health issue in order to learn something. I mean, we're, we're sheltering at home today because of COVID-19. Um, there's, there's, uh, it's, it's playing havoc with a lot of lives. People are losing their lives. But... Um, can someone be healed by that through a spiritual experience? I think it's possible, but you have to have the right person there to act as the channel for that uh, information, to pass it along, and to give it to the person in need. That reminds me of a Bible verse, and I can't believe I'm quoting the Bible. Um, and I don't remember where it comes from, but it's something to the extent of when two or more of you are gathered in my name, uh -huh. there am I. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I always think of that when, um, when the subject of faith healing comes up, but I think anybody, you know, if I have a friend that's ill, um, and it goes back to the power of prayer, right? Mm -hmm. If I believe any of us have the ability to heal someone else and just as much heal ourselves. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, that's a great point. Cindy, when, if someone is uh, allowing uh, healing energy to flow through them, I do think that they benefit from being in close proximity to it. I do believe that it flows and comes in contact with them. We're all over the place, but here's that movie, The Green Mile, where one of the the chief protagonists um, was um, a healer, although he had the appearance of being a large, you know, potentially violent, powerful guy. Wonderful, one of, a powerful movie. But when the energy flowed through him, it seemed to one, helped a person who was being healed, but two, seemed to have a residual benefit for the person doing the healing. And I know it's just a movie, just a Stephen King movie. It was a great movie, and I do think that, I mean, that that resonates with me. I, I know that when I'm getting messages for other people, sometimes I get something for myself, too. It's a spiritual gift. It is. It is. So, and the Pentecostals believe 
that, that there are many spiritual gifts, including speaking in tongues, faith healing, and here's the other one, prophesizing. Huh, interesting. I didn't know that. Well, that makes perfect sense, though, because they're already um, positioned uh, to receive messages and to have faith in them and to not see it as a threat to their version of God, Jesus, the Bible. Uh, they see it as an addendum, an addition, uh, a powerful um, reflection of what's capable or what's, what is possible. So that makes perfect sense. Here's a little known fact. Did you know that the Pentecostals were the first group to ordain women? God bless them. Good. I mean, uh, if you think about why, you know, so many Christian churches didn't, it comes down to some of the, I think, the um, the beliefs of the early Jewish faith that Jesus emerged from, that women were held in only a certain point of view, that they had not the same rights. There, I mean, there's all kinds of hang-ups about uh, relationships with women and how to deal with women. So the idea, I think that that speaks very positively in my mind to um, what the the Pentecostals are about. I think that they're open. They're they're prepared to hear something that they don't know, and they also recognize that men and women have a lot to offer. That's powerful. In my church, in my church, the women were put in their place by the 70s or 80s. Uh -huh. They were more subservient. Well, maybe it's changing. I mean, I, I can't speak to the current state of the Pentecostals, but I do think that um, the idea that they were among the first to have ministers. That, and how do you argue if you believe that getting a, a message in tongues is a sign of God and it's a blessing from God? Woman stands up and receives a perfectly powerful message. How do you disavow that? How do you devalue it? How do you devaluate women when they're receiving messages, if uh, not as often, at least as much or more often than men? It doesn't make any sense to, to ignore that. I agree. One of the um, things that I really, really loved about my search, my church rather, and it's I think it's why I'm a musician today, is we had the most amazing church. <laughs> well, don't you think that like when you're cooking with gas, you're up there, you're playing well, you're 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 kind of feel you have to be empathetic or you know sensitive to what other musicians are doing around you. You have to be willing to, you know, react and move on the fly and and to play together and to play off of each other. And that certainly seems like something that would happen in a Pentecostal church. So you, someone gets up and starts speaking in a language I don't recognize, and then that guy or that girl stands up and says, "Hey, I know what that means." I mean, if that isn't kind of uh, being prepared to. Uh, uh, play off of each other and to, you know, work on the fly and to improvise, there is nothing. I mean, what else would it be? Our band had, and this is, I was born in 19, in the early 60s. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, oh, what the heck? I'm not, I, I don't care about You look age. lovely. Who cares? Don't I? I think I look lovely too. <laughs> but anyway, this is in uh, the late 60s and early 70s. Our church band had uh, electric guitars. Mm-hmm. We had electric pianos. There were tambourines, and when that band played, we were all we were all with them. We were worshiping. Mm -hmm. You're raising your energy. I think that if you go into a church and you basically nod off and let the 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 celebrant handle everything, and you're not participating, you will get very little out of that experience. But if you're raising the energy, how do you, and you're awake, you're tapping your toes, you're you're becoming emotionally connected. How is that not a powerful religious uh, celebratory experience? Totally agree. One thing about the church that 
I've never understood, nor have I witnessed. Um, I'm sure you've heard of snake handling. Yes. Yes. That to me is bizarre. I don't see. You know, it's like some people. You know, some people might say, "Well, Mark, why do you talk to the dead?" And I would say, "Well, why do they handle snakes?" I mean, I I just don't see. I understand that it's a uh, act of faith. I believe that you know you wouldn't handle a snake unless you believed, uh, in, according to scripture, that you could do this, be safe, and then have some benefit, you know, or be able to give something to someone as a result of doing this. My thought is the preacher is trying to prove himself to the congregation. Uh-huh. Yeah. But isn't that kind of like, all right, if you do that, why don't you uh, show that, I mean, to me, it, it's, it's, I, I, I just don't understand the point of it. I mean, to me, it, it is a spiritual walk. If you think that um, you will be protected according to God and that I believe, I mean, I don't know. Um, if there are scriptures that speak to handling of snakes. But um, if there are, it's like, isn't there another way that would require less venom to be tossed around than to, to handle snakes? I am not familiar with any scripture that talks about that. They talk about serpents, mm -hmm. but I don't ever hear of, of snake handling. If any of our listeners know anything about that, I would love to hear from them. One thing I would say too, Cindy, is that, you know, uh, I think that um, Jesus was tempted at times by the devil, Satan. Like if, you know, you're so powerful, why, or if God is your father, why doesn't he uh, help you in this difficult time? If you're out in the desert, why doesn't he give you a, a, a canteen of water and a ride home and, and safety? And then uh, the message was, I'm paraphrasing badly, but the, the, the idea is that don't, put your God to the test. And so that that I'm clear on, that you shouldn't test God, demand him, I want to walk across water now. I'm a man of faith. I'm going. And God would say, you know, I don't think you should test me in this way because it, it's more about, I think, perhaps putting you on a pedestal versus, you know, having a better relationship with God. It's like, we're never going to be, I, I don't know, to me. So that was just, don't test God. Handling snakes seems like you're saying, God, I'm testing you. See, protect me while I do something which seems incredibly foolish and risky. I'm going to do it, but you're going to protect me because I'm a person of faith and you said you'd give me it. It's like, that just seems like, well, why not juggle a machine gun and an axe and a, and a flaming torch? I mean, it's like, that would be a comparable thing, I would think. It's It's almost like, you know, they have to prove that God is there. And I wake up every morning and I see blue skies and green grass and children and dogs and birds and bees. That's my proof that God exists. Yeah. I don't think you need to have, you know, run along a razor blade with your eyes closed in order to say, God will protect me because I'm a good person and I said a prayer. Like, I don't think it works like that. I mean, it falls under the, you know, people ask me, hey, if you're a psychic medium, can you give me the lottery ticket? Well, I think that we're supposed to learn something. We're truly here to learn. And if I just give you everything or God just gave it all to you, where is the learning in that? Yes, it'd be pleasant to have all the money you needed in one fell swoop and to not have to sweat it. But that isn't why we're here. We're not here to show up and have things handed to us so we don't have to sweat it. We're supposed to figure things out. Um, hence, maybe this is why 
we're given, some people are given the gift of tongues. We're supposed to figure things out. And then other people listen to it and try to act on it. To me, with my experience, the, the Pentecostal seemed very, very rigid and strict with rules, which I never understood. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with, with any of their... No, not really. I mean, I've, I've been to... I can count on one hand how many services I went to. Maybe three times I went to Pentecostal service, and in one of those times I spoke. I, I, you know, so I just, I, I know that they're kind of an old-timey Christian faith that has, and forgive me, I don't mean to be derogatory, or I'm speaking, I, I don't understand it that well, but the rules, they had their rules, and I. They must have seen some value in them. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there, I guess. Some of them made sense, like gambling and alcohol and tobacco. Again, not a part of the church because I consume everything except the tobacco. But one of their rules was they wouldn't let the adult women cut their hair. That makes no sense to me. That sounds like something out of Old Testament, like right up there with if your wife misbehaves, you may bring her to the church and stone her. I mean, it sounds like it's right up there with that level of, you know, understanding, and, and it doesn't make any sense. That's that's a very good point, because the Pentecostals take the Bible literally. Things have changed so much. Even in the early 1900s, when this church came about, the Bible at that point was how many thousands of years old? Yeah, yeah. Well... You know what, Cindy, it's like, it's interesting, we were, Barb and I were just talking about this last night, that it's like, you know, how do you deal with the Bible? I see the Bible as a book of contradictions. I see it as a book of something that there are many pieces of it that don't seem to apply in, in our lives. But uh, here's, I think that we are, um, we're given the Bible, uh, even though it was kind of put together at, um, you know, uh, there was a Council of Nicaea where they chose which books go into the Bible and which do not. Uh, that act was actually very political, uh, um, related on the time, but we it, it, we still have the Bible that came out of that council. And uh, I, I think that it's got a lot of beautiful things in it, but ultimately I think that we will be judged by what we do with the information in that book. Do we take the information in that book and take every word of it literally? Do we um, beat our children or stone our wives or, you know, make people um, choose who they do love or not love? I mean, how do we do this? What do we, I mean, the book seems to be chock full of things that don't really seem to logically fall into place. I mean, you can say, I mean, I understand that the coming of Christ, he was supposed to come and he did come to eliminate many of the, the, the former laws and rules and sacrifices and all of this. But no one is, no Christian would devalue or diminish the importance of the Old uh, Testament. But what do you do with these um, ideas of that could be seen as contradictory? Also, too, if the Bible was so clear and simple and un easy to understand, why are there as many different churches and interpretations of it as there are and to me the answer is simple we will be judged on what we do with the book that we receive How, agreed don't you think totally so, agreed you had mentioned something uh earlier you were talking about growing up catholic and then uh the pentecostals and, and you said something um when you were 
channeling and getting your messages. You said something, you know, you can call it God or spirit, and you mentioned something about being Wiccan. Tell me about that. What do the Wiccans believe? Well, I think that they believe in spiritual energy. I believe that many of them have their own. I mean, I think, again, um, I say it with respect, but I, I and, but I'm not terribly learned on it. I do have friends who are Wiccan, and I've read a little bit about it. But the idea that um, I think that a spell is not unlike a prayer. I think that um, a ble- there are blessing, blessings in the Wiccan uh, faith. There are people who believe that if you do certain things, the outcome will be this. Well, that's not on. You can draw endless parallels between, you know, mainstream Christianity. Um, we just name things differently. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe that God is powerful. God can change the world. The Wiccans believe that we can channel and, and push energy a certain way. There are going to be endless things that we maybe don't agree upon. Um, I think that, you know, there are white witches and black witches, or, you know, the idea that, to me, it comes down to, are you going to use um, a Wiccan uh, message, prayer, tool, to control someone else. To me, that falls into like the dark side of, of what a Wiccan can be. Um, there's good white witches and dark witches. I, I Again, forgive me for not knowing this too well, but um, they, they believe that you know, universal energy responds to us when we ask for something. And I believe that. I do too. But as a, as a hillbilly Pentecostal, <laughs> I hear the word... Seriously, when I hear the word Wiccan, that just makes me think of Satan. Well, I think that that, that's different. I believe that there are Satanists. I believe that they are really simply and purely a reaction to Christianity. I believe that, here's the thing that, you know, in doing some of the work I have, I do believe that there is a devil. I don't believe he's just a concept. I believe that there is um, absolute evil in the world. I believe that um, there can be an embodiment of that. Um, I believe that there can be, um, you know, that demons. I believe that there are, the, maybe that's Catholic in me talking, but I just know that, like, when when someone has to be, uh, if there has to be an exorcism, if something is truly demonic, it's not like, um, there's a difference between demonic spirits and malevolent spirits. Malevolent were probably, were human at a certain point. Demonic never were. And the idea that I would ever say that there's no possibility of the demonic, to me, it's like, that's why I, I do believe it. I, I do believe that, you know, there really is that powerful negative energy in the world. And I try to make sure that when I go into a place, that whoever or whatever is there knows what team I'm playing for. I totally believe in that. And speaking of exorcism, I think that's a show that we should do. Uh, okay, well... I, I've been around. You and I know we've gone into places and we've cleared out negative things. Mm-hmm. But I think that you and I have also been blessed as to not have to deal with something that is uh, demonic in, in nature. Because um, to me, that's an absolute challenge of my faith in God. I, I always go in with the idea, even if we're dealing with something that's negative or dark, I always try to say, hey, I'm here. I mean, I, I, I'm comfortable with calling out Christ as God. And that I also am very comfortable with saying it's like, I'm not here on my own. I'm just this guy, Mark. But I am acting uh, as in the name of Christ. I'm telling someone uh, a negative or malevolent spirit, you must leave. And if I ever had to deal with a demonic spirit of any kind, I would be 
foolish, ridiculous to knock the wind armed and, and pr protected by my, my belief in God and Christ. I know one of the things you do, and I do it also, is we say a prayer, whether it's individual prayers or, or group prayer, if there's mm -hmm. more than one or mm -hmm. two of us, and I need that. Oh, we can't, you know, it's like, here's the thing, it's like if we go into a place and there is a negative energy capable of slamming a door in our face, yelling at us, um, perhaps um, imp imposing itself on the psyche of the people living in the house where they become afraid and downtrodden, um, if they can be impacted, that is an energy that it's not like dealing with a person that you can reason with. This is something that's all about control, and this is something about wanting to control you, to push you. And it's not about, well, if I go to the gym enough, I'll be strong enough to withhold them, or I can take karate lessons or carry a gun. Whatever you think your protection is, it does not apply in a spiritual realm. And to not recognize that there are issues that can come from the spiritual realm is to ask for a kick in the teeth. I love talking about this and this is something that I would really like to do for a later show but I can't believe it our time is up already that was fun that was it's it, always fun it was grave misunderstandings that's what you're listening to please go to our uh, our page on Facebook you can find us on iTunes and anywhere you get your podcast forward to hearing from you and thank you for spending a little time with us we hope you had fun we sure did Good night. Good night.